Hi, welcome to JoyScore, offering tips and tools in health, fitness, and mindfulness. I am your host, Ellie Lund, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Andrea Amburiz Alvarez. Andrea is a media studies graduate from the University of California, Berkeley. As a Berkeley student, she made it a priority to stay close to her roots and bring awareness to the Mexican culture by performing in the all-inclusive Mariachi Luz de Oro. Her passion for film and television has inspired her to create the What Would Never Happen podcast. Andrea continues to create digital content and is pursuing opportunities in the entertainment industry. This interview with Andrea is very special to me. It's a series on how to achieve your dreams. Achieving your dreams has always been such a mystery for me. And as I lived longer, I realized it, that it not only entails dreaming and having a vision, but having a clear strategic goal and planning um, opportunities so that you can make your dreams come true. Andrea has done just that in her own way. And I also wanted to highlight how important it is to have a sense of belonging and community so that you're able to um, have the support to make your dreams come true. This is one of a series of podcasts around the area of growth mindset, taking risks, using creativity, and making your dreams come true. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. One is your passion for music and the combination of that with your roots in the Mexican culture and also your exploration of creativity in the here and now. So tell us a little bit about the history that you have in music. Well, I started playing the violin in middle school and Uh, It truly wasn't my first choice, if I'm completely honest. I think it was definitely something that um, my parents had always wanted for me. They never got the opportunity to be educated in music, so I feel like that's why they, like, definitely encouraged me to do that. Um, Learning violin was hard, (laughs) and it was very painful. Uh, Just, it's so unnatural, I think, as a beginner to, like, put yourself in a weird position and, you know, all this stuff, but... I feel like eventually once I, you know, grasped the basics and I could, you know, choose what I wanted to play, that's definitely when things got um, more fun for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, you mentioned uh, your experience with Mr. Hamilton and the impact that he had on your life as a mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course. So um, in middle school, I didn't have the um opportunity to get private lessons and stuff like the money was just very tight at home um and i had expressed this to mr hamilton and that i really really wanted to get better and so he really did give me extra help that you know he didn't have to right it wasn't you know part of his job but he you know let me know how i could practice how i could get better by myself and um, he even, I had this really um, <laughs> uh, bad violin that I was using at the time. And he told me that he could lend me one from the school. And I feel like 
just that knowing that he had my back inspired me to try harder and eventually i i did um make it you know pretty far in his class i i got up to second chair i believe um wow. in middle school which was a really big deal to me <laughs> yeah and how did that evolve into your music at berkeley so when i got to berkeley uh it was it was my first time away from home and i I was just hit with this overwhelming sense of loneliness and music definitely took the back seat because I was just trying to survive and pass my classes the first semester. But um, eventually I did try to do more research in what I could do to, you know, maintain my practice and not lose, you know, the skills that I had acquired from middle school to high school. And I had first considered joining the symphony, but um, it was just a little bit too time consuming for me. So I decided to go another route and start looking for smaller groups. And that's when I found Mariachi Luz de Oro. And um, I, you know, I, I sent them an email and was like, hey, I have heard about your group and I would be really interested in joining. And I went to the first rehearsal and I was very scared <laughs> because, I mean, I didn't know any of these people, but I feel like once we started, you know, practicing a little bit, something just clicked and I felt immediately at home and, you know, surrounded by people that shared my culture, my experiences that, I mean, looked like me. And I think that was something that I was missing at that time. Mm -hmm. And how did the, so I'm hearing you say that that connection with the people who look like you and also that share your culture and values is something that creates a sense of belonging. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how that music with them impacted you for the next couple of years. Well, uh, that's, it's, it's a lot to go through because it was such, I mean, up to this point, it's truly a big highlight in my life. I, I felt like, I could express myself in a way that I wasn't able to before because I mean, when you're trained classically, um, it's, it's hard to get out of the habit of, you know, you're supposed to do it this one way. And if you don't do it this one way, it's wrong, or you're not, you know, using the correct technique and all this stuff. Um, but I felt a sense of freedom to oh, switch yeah. it up and be able to, discover a different way to perform, a different way to play this, you know, classic instrument. Um, and I mean, besides playing violin, I also had the opportunity to perform as a singer, uh -huh. which I had always enjoyed, um, but I would do it in like the shower or like hidden away in my room. Like I wouldn't, it wasn't something that I would do in public right. very often. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, besides my mom, like forcing me to do it at parties, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but now you were like on stage yes. right, with the mariachi and you had to sing. So yes. what was that it was, <laughs> um, the first couple of times I do think the stage fright got the best of me because it just wasn't used to, you know, being up at the front all by myself. Like that's really intimidating <laughs> and scary. Um, but I feel like my um, my group members were just so supportive of me and were like, you know what, um, we know it's scary, but you, you, you got what it takes, basically. And I think 
their support and their encouragement is what pushed me to continue. I feel like if I didn't have that sense of support, I probably would have just not tried after those first couple of times. Wow. It just goes to show how important connection is with each other, right? Relationship building. Like sometimes in creating art, I mean, I remember that when I was dancing flamenco, like sometimes, you know, one thing is to create art by yourself as an artist, like, you know, visual painting on a canvas. And it's just me and and the and the painting. Right. And another thing, completely different, is to be in a group, in an artistic group. Whether it's dancing, because as a dancer in flamenco, you really have to connect with the singer right. and the guitarist. Right. And there's a synergy that happens, right? Mm-hmm. But the support I'm hearing you saying was huge, and bringing that sense of confidence and joy and risk taking that you had to do to get to that next yes. level. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) So you've also shared that in your creative realm, you've not only dealt with music and singing and playing the violin, but you've also kind of transferred into the area of film critique and um, screenwriting. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So um, I was working before this um, at the Disneyland parks. And I mean, just working there, you're surrounded by all these different stories and um, all these different films. And I really started thinking about how much I liked to talk about it with my friends, uh, but that I could take that idea and take it into a direction that was more uh, tangible and putting it on a platform. And that's why I decided to create the podcast that would never happen. Um, and it was truly the first time I felt like I was creating an opportunity for myself rather than, you know, asking somebody else for permission. And mm. it was, I mean, it it truly was the first time where I felt like I could take on a project and put on these multiple hats and, you know, gain all this experience and skill set, but on my own, like on my own terms. Wow. How did you begin? Like, how did you start exploring this venue? Because your, your degree actually, right, is in, is it in yes. media studies, I believe. Right? It is. Um, I, I, we did get a bit of uh, training in that, but I feel like that was also something that you had to look for yourself. It wasn't required. Um, but I think I, I learned about podcasting just online. I feel like it it the internet truly is the biggest tool and i just did a bunch of research and was like okay i want to do this i need you know some direction and once i figured out that i mean truly all you need for a podcast is a computer or a phone right um so it wasn't the fact that you know a lot of equipment or money is required to start it's just at least for me personally it's the just nervousness and like fear of putting something out into the you know inner internet space I feel like that was the biggest thing that was holding me back at the beginning wow Hmm. so like I'm hearing you um, repeat a certain theme for me and the theme is overcoming overcoming fear taking a risk and just going all in (laughs) yeah right that's what I'm hearing you say I mean it's true (laughs) yeah and also like what I'm also hearing you say is 
not waiting to have permission. Right. And, you know, where does that come from having to have permission? Because I've also felt it a lot in my life, personally, Mm -hmm. waiting for permission to, you know, go into a specific area in my career. Mm -hmm. And I could just see how others, other people did it, that I was marveling at how they did it. And I'm like, well, how do they do it? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not until you start taking those initial steps yourself. And you said something very important is doing the research. Mm -hmm doing the research and giving and giving yourself this space to experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I I think also just podcasting has grown so much as a platform in the recent years that I think it's just become something that does have um a wider audience than before. So I think there's wider audiences that you can um gravitate to, find a niche and I don't know, be, be able to put your opinions, your ideas, and also provide people with insight on certain things. And personally, I find that way more enjoyable nowadays than watching TV or film all the time. I feel like sometimes I just need to learn about things from the experiences of others. Hmm. So learning it from the experience of others, huh? Okay, so I'm seeing a lot of things in terms of the creative process, yeah. right? Yeah. That reminds me a little bit about uh, my beginnings in the world of art. Mm-hmm. So um, one of them was the idea of having myself just paint to, for painting's sake, right? And then the other idea was to put it out there for others, which is what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And it takes a lot of uh, courage to do that because <laughs> yes. you're like, oh, I don't know if anyone's really going to like this. <laughs> But then once you do and they either listen or buy the art, you're just validated and given kind of like more power in the psyche to kind of pursue it a little deeper. But the second thing I'm hearing you say is learning from others. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically and reaching out to an artist when I started my, my artwork and they said, you need to surround yourself with artists. And you need to find out how do they do things? How do they promote their work? What kind of mediums do they use? What, you know, where do they exhibit their work? Mm -hmm. And so I think the lesson that you're, what I'm hearing you say is um, just learning from how others do things in the realm of creativity. Yeah. And I feel like with the, um, you know, internet available, it's, there's a lot less of uh, gatekeeping, I think now than there was before because I feel like people are actively sharing like this is how you can do it this is how you can grow your audience this is how you can promote your art your writing and uh I mean without that I don't know if I would even have been able to start this in the first place Mm -hmm. so that is a really great point in terms of creativity and so many different settings I um, one of my, um, my brother's fiance just posted something on Facebook. <laughs> it was great because it was like this young girl who had started a garden in the South, beautiful heirloom tomatoes. And she talked about beauty and blah, blah, blah. And with the internet, we just have this ability to connect with people we would have never met <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> who can inspire us and who have done a lot of research in the area that we're interested in. It's just really a matter of it right yeah cool well that was a lot (laughs) (laughs) 
So I just want to recap a couple of things that you mentioned. One was, um, I think, the sense of belonging that you felt from others and being supported by others Mm -hmm. in your work. And Mm -hmm. just having that validation to give yourself permission to move forward. And another thing you mentioned was um, doing the research in the area that you might be interested in Mm -hmm. and learning from others. Yes. And then the last thing I believe is just giving yourself permission to pursue whatever it is that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Hmm. I think we'll just basically, yeah, recapping what you said. I think it's very important for anybody who's interested in entering any type of creative field that you don't have to wait to get a specific job or a specific opportunity to even just start practicing those skills. There are definitely a lot of platforms like podcasting or writing for blogs or, uh, you know, providing ideas for different uh, YouTubers. There's so many things you can do to practice your skills and figure out if this is really something you want to pursue before, you know, totally committing to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just had a conversation with a friend who said, um, you know, because I also wanted to use my skill set in the job that I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, use your skill set. She's like, expand on your skill set. Yes. And I just that different word choice mm-hmm. makes the whole difference because it really is about expanding and growing. Yes. And just, you know, when we stay within our comfort zone, which mm-hmm. you alluded to at the beginning of your story, <laughs> And having to, okay, I'm playing the violin, but now I, you know, they want me to step up and sing in front of all these people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the expanding of your skill set, right? That's Mm -hmm. when you just take it to the next level. Yes. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us today. Oh my God, you're very welcome. I'm so just honored that I'm here talking to you about this. That concludes the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure having you on the podcast. This podcast is available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. If you haven't done so, please rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Additionally, if you haven't downloaded that JoyScore app, I really um, encourage you to do so. It's a wonderful app with a lot of tools and tips that really help decrease um, stress and increase a sense of well-being and hopefully bring you a higher sense of joy. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.